0: Grace. And I'm Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Yay. We're back.
1: We're back from our other hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> this spring/slash summer has just been non-stop us not doing the podcast, but we are going to be back on a regular schedule now. Um, and, and I promise you, neither of us has just been sitting around. We've been pretty busy. <laughs> Things have been (laughs) happening. Things are happening. (laughs) Liz Lemon style. Um, Yes. And we're hoping to be back on a every two week schedule from here on out. Um, For sure. So if you'd like to have a say in any of those books that we're going to be covering, be sure to shoot us a message. Hit us up. Doing the self promo up front instead of at the end, because that's what real podcasts do. Grace, we're a real (laughs) podcast. Um, Yeah. You can hit us up on our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com. We have an Instagram. Instagram. Go ahead you I thought you were taking it I thought you, I was like passing I the thought we were gonna to you. switch off so no, and was... then I was like go ahead yeah so uh, you have to say what our Instagram handle is so that people can find us
0: just throw the ball back because I don't remember Madeline doesn't
1: know it's dragon <laughs> Babies pod um oh no actually it's <laughs> <laughs> that's our Twitter handle <laughs> Oh this my god! This is going god. really well, you guys. I feel great about this episode. Okay, the <laughs> Twitter handle is Dragon Babies Pod. Instagram Dragon Babies Podcast. This week, before we get to any of those, you know, surely thousands of users submitted requests that are going to be coming in. Listener <laughs> submitted requests.
0: So if you want yours to be read, you better submit it quickly, or otherwise it'll get buried
1: like in a reddit thread don't have to keep
0: building this lie <laughs> like in a reddit thread on a picture of a cat all
1: right this week we are going to be discussing the black cauldron by lloyd alexander dun, 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 dun. yeah madeline actually went ahead and composed an entire soundtrack for the book so look forward to snippets of that throughout the episode sprinkled now you have to come up with them <laughs> we move on okay. So I don't know. We've never mentioned this. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been able to notice, but we actually take turns picking the book that we're going to cover um, from episode to episode. Um, And maybe that comes out in the passion of the one. Sometimes one person is a lot more excited Uh, than the the other. But in any case, this was my pick. And um, I did a lot of research because I was really surprisingly poorly informed about not just... The Black Cauldron and the Chronicles of Pradane, but also about Lloyd Alexander. And I learned so much just in the last few weeks. I didn't read that link you sent me. <laughs> I'll just be... I'll come clean now. I sent Madeline one link. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't send you anything else. It'll all be a surprise for you. And the link I sent you, actually, that's good. We'll go ahead and do our pronunciation disclaimer. Um, I know how to pronounce things because I... Research there, <laughs> And the link I sent Madeline was a pronunciation guide. I'll just only say things once you say she them did first. did But anyway, Black Cauldron was published in 1965 by Lloyd Alexander. Oh, I lost my notes. Make page shuffling noises, Grace. Authenticity. This is very- I'm not very good at it. Meagre um, page shuffling Full disclosure, no I'm also holding a glass of wine in one hand. I was going to call you
0: out and be like, that's why <laughs> she's
1: bad at page shuffling. The Black Cauldron was published in 1965. It is the second book in the Chronicles of Pradane. I did um, not realize it was that old. How old did you think it was? 90s. Like, Yeah. Um, no, this is actually a super important historical series of books. Um, it was America's first high fantasy series. Um, and because Lloyd Alexander is an American, that was another huge realization for me. Um, and he's actually been really important to American fantasy. I think that just as a child, it was always his name that made me biased towards thinking he was British. Um, and this series is plays off wealth me- Welsh wealth mythology. Oh, my God. So all of the characters, um, with the exception of Ilanwi and Taran... Oh I say Ilanwi. Ilanwi. Okay. And Taran have... Um, Welsh mythological counterparts um, mm. and their names are pulled directly from Welsh mythology. Although a lot of the characters have been changed pretty dramatically okay. um, for this series of books. So uh, before we talk more um, about this book itself, uh, the series, or not series, just the chronicles, the Welsh mythological chronicles that the story is based on. It's called the Mabinogion. Um And it is extremely old. It's actually from the 12th to 13th centuries, and it was compiled in Middle Welsh, and it predated King Arthur and actually had King Arthur's stories in it. That's so cool. Um, So super awesome source material. Wow. And um, Lloyd Alexander has always been fascinated by King Arthur, um, and that's part of the reason why he wanted to um, try to adapt this material. Or adapt, I say loosely. I mean, it's it's basically... uh, it's as if someone was going off the Bible and just creating a story about like so a yes. handful of characters plucked from here and there and kind yeah. of throwing them mm-hmm. together. It's not okay. like he's taking specific stories and okay. making them into a more, you know, modern friendly version. Um, so this was the only one of the Chronicles of Pradane to be named a... Newbery. Newbery Honor Book. Although, actually, now that I'm saying that, I think the High King also had some kind of Newbery... Um, King? Recognition. The High King is the fifth book in the series. Oh. Um, and that is really exciting. I love coming across Newbery Honor Books because when I was a kid, I thought that that was like the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, I thought um, that was a big deal. And whenever I'd pick one up and I'd see that little, you know, fake embossed silver r- brand on the cover, I would feel so cultured <laughs> <laughs> so um, sophisticated and like I had had this new achievement of reading a Newberry Honor book um, but it also I think made me read mo- a wider range of books than I probably would have mm-hmm. and actually choose things based on the middle instead the of just choosing, as choosing as it as genre. genre yeah exactly like Bridge to Terabithia I feel like I might not have read if I hadn't seen the Newberry Honor and that is a really dark and uh, bummer of a book but it's I think good for kids not too young of kids to read anyway I found a really cool documentary that's on YouTube in its entirety um that's called it's just this channel called Lloyd Alexander documentary and they just have like clips from it and then an hour and a half long documentary
0: is there a an animated version of this book um a la the original Hobbit movie yeah, you
1: don't remember watching
0: it. I think I do actually. That's I was actually getting it. like snippets of
1: some weird stuff while I was reading the book. That's a huge part of what I want to discuss during this episode. Okay. But can we get yes. to that a little bit yes. later? Um, anyway, just I would recommend checking out this documentary if you're a fan of Lloyd Alexander. It's basically just interviews with children, um, scholars, and then we Lloyd Alexander himself. Greece. Sleeping on the jo- when did they make this documentary? I, it's, it's from like the early aughts. Lloyd Alexander died in 2007. We were around. Should have been in it. <laughs> and here we're like clearly proving how much we know, how little we know about any of this. <laughs> there was a movie? <laughs> um, Experts. Okay, so there there was just a really great moment in the documentary where they were interviewing Lloyd Alexander after a bunch of different folks talked about how important the Chronicles of Prydain and then the Black Cauldron specifically were to them. And he said it was the easiest book he ever wrote. It practically wrote itself. Um, and then just a little paraphrase quote, I was not writing for any specific child. I was writing for myself. I found myself able to deal with things that I could never even express writing for adults. You think that in a book for young people, you can't deal with serious things, but it's really far from it. Hmm. which I think really comes out like that intent and the feeling that he had when he was working on the series really, really comes out in the mm-hmm. black cauldron. Um, it's at turns dark and hilarious, um, like very, uh, uh, cavalier and then incredibly grave, yeah. uh, there's death and coming of age and secrets and, and obnoxious teens, horrible teens, <laughs> incredible wise ladies, um, just really like the full spectrum of humanity yeah. and even beyond humanity because there there's are a also crow guy, the fair folk. Um, there's those people too, <laughs> and I think the most remarkable part about this series and this book in particular. Um, is that you can really relate to every character, even though every character is so radically different. Yeah, Like they don't feel like shades of each other. Even the different, um, you know, soldier kings are all very distinct. Yeah, that's and true. And they have really clear personalities from the start. That's true, yeah. And I appreciate that so much. And I think that's so important for kids um, because they can find someone who uh, who. who Feels true to them, but who's different from how, what they're like in their everyday life, mm-hmm. and it has a good female character who's one of the protagonists, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of series like this lack. I mean, comparing this even just to Lord of the Rings, it's oh for sure, clear yeah, right away that Aylanui is in the thick of the action, like she's involved in everything that's going on, whether it is battles or you know st- strategic planning um, if you
0: if you've only seen lord of the rings the movies and not read the books there is uh, considerably more female activity in the movies than in the books and even then i don't think a single movie passes the bechdel test
1: probably everyone
0: <laughs> listening has read the books. Okay. yeah that's true <laughs> you're with us and i i, I adore lord Tolkien. of the rings those are my favorite movies ever but i'm aware of the problems with them yeah definitely
1: yeah, so all of that aside, should we actually uh, talk a little bit about the plot? Quickly spoil the plot for everyone? Yeah, go for it. All right, so first, we do have our childhood copy of The Black Cauldron here with us today. It is a And now it's and well. been to Mexico. Now it's been to Mexico. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of my... Uh, favorite covers um, of the books great. that we've that we've talked about so far also my entire life people have been telling me that look Madeline, that's you that's you that one <laughs> so the cover has Orwin Ordu and Orgok um, and they're each wearing their personal talisman so one has the white necklace and one has the flower crown and the other one has on the black hood and a scowl because so grumpy Orgok hates everything because Orgok's body is like broken <laughs> And that's the one that people would always be like, look at the grubby one. That's you, Madeline. I mean, she, her lower face looks kind of like yours. I know. I know especially my grump picture. face. They definitely, the artist made them look um, young. I mean, they don't look like old. Women. I figured that
0: those are their beautiful. These are beautiful. the beautiful selves. Yeah. yeah
1: I, th- I think that it definitely could be. Um, yeah. And they have the like flowing, beautiful, yeah. wavy hair. Uh-huh. And that looks like your hair too. Yeah. Um, well. And then in front of them, superimposed with a little yellow halo around it. It, it, the same way that on "So You Want to Be a Wizard" Kit and Nita have their little like, oh, like yeah. glowing yellow yeah. borders, um, is the black cauldron, and then Ka in front of it. Kaa the crow. Kaa doesn't have a lot of uh, page time in this book, but Kaa is a bigger figure. Ka's uh, great. Moving forward. Full. Um,
0: Full sport of crow figures in fantasy books. I know.
1: Uh, yeah. Every, every book should have one. I've wanted, to I've one always else. wanted a
0: crow as a pet when I was growing up. And then I did some research and found out you can't really keep them as pets because they go crazy because they're yeah, too they're smart. They're too intelligent. Yeah. So that's okay. I have cats. They're just as good. They're not too intelligent. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Definitely not. <laughs> All right. The Black Cauldron. In the imaginary land of Prydain, where evil is never distant, it has become imperative that the Black Cauldron, chief implement of the diabolical Aran, be destroyed. In this cauldron, Aran has created his terrible army of deathless warriors from the stolen bodies of the slain. For each of those chosen a journey to Aran's domain... The quest has a special meaning, and to Taran, assistant pig keeper, the adventure becomes a glorious opportunity to wear his first sword and prove himself a man among men. And it's got some quotes and stuff. So, yeah, just expanding on that very quickly, um, because this is a pretty straightforward fantasy journey mm-hmm. plot. Yeah. Uh, Taran, Ilanwi, and Gurgi, their um, beast man friend. Yeah, what is Gurgi? No one knows, even the, even Ordu Warwin and Orgok, uh refer to Gurgi as, at one point they say a Gurgi," as if Gurgi might have brethren, and then they're corrected, and I think Tarn says so no, Gergi's he is not Gergi with his name. Okay, so it's, it's kind of unclear of what Gergi is, it's not, he's not one of the fair folk. Um, I thought he maybe is he just kind of a human who's different. No, he's a Creature. Creature. Yeah, he is, I think, described, he's not described very clearly in this well, book. He, it just says he's like a ton of hair with yeah, a face in hairy. it. Yeah, he's very hairy. Yeah, he's like a bear person, a bear man slash dog man. Since you, I, I thought that you would remember the movie more clearly. Gergie looks like kind of a dog person in it. Uh, what? Um, here, I'll just show you really quickly. I was imagining him as just kind
0: of like a f- tumbleweed with eyes and limbs. You know, like um, a center body and then like stuff poke. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That is really yeah. scary looking. And, well,
1: they made Gergi really small and more cute. They definitely were trying to put him into the Disney side uh, okay kick animal character role. Um, and I think Gergi supposed to be more like normal human-sized okay. and less dog-like. I don't think they did a yeah a great job with um, boo boo on this adaptation illustration. Well, it's actually really famous for a lot of things. We'll we'll talk about that. Maybe not boo we're to talking, be continued we're talking about the book right now. Um, so. They go on a quest to find the black cauldron. Um, what's the what's the name for it that everyone starts calling it? Cochrane, the, uh, the Cochrane. Yeah, they go on a quest to recover this cauldron, which is supposedly being held close by. It can be used to create undead soldiers, so it's important to get it and destroy it. Um, but there is a kerfuffle, and it goes missing. A kerfuffle. Um, and three sources. It was already missing when they got there. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, a general kerfuffle, not one that's shown in the books. I don't know how seriously I can talk while I watch you rub ice on your upper legs. (laughs) We all have our coping mechanisms. Great, it's getting steamy in here, guys. Um, (laughs) No, I'm preventing it. That's what the ice is for, great. Anti steamy. (laughs) Uh, So essentially, the party splits up. Our erstwhile heroes um, who are. A, a teenage girl, a teenage boy, and a Gurgi um, are set off with Fluterflam, who is. I love a, him. He's my barred. favorite. He's my favorite character, too. Yeah. Okay, I want to, yeah, we'll talk, I want to talk more about that later, too, because I think it's one of those books where it's easy to have like a lot of different favorite characters. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. Fluterflam is amazing. Um. So they get drawn off and they. Uh, are the ones who actually end up finding where the cauldron is, but before they can get it back to the king to have it destroyed, because it's extremely heavy and difficult to carry. Cumbersome. Um, It's not a ring. No, it's not a ring. (laughs) I know. That's proven (laughs) time and time again. And it's really funny how before they actually touch it, they have in their minds, like... Oh, Yeah, it'll be fine. Like, yeah, we're, we're just gonna take it, it back, with we're us. just gonna and take it back, and it's gonna be great. I love that awkwardness because it's something that I think wouldn't be in a lot of fantasy books yeah. because it's not like cool, it's mm-hmm. not sexy. <laughs> yeah, enough. no, like, to be like, oh, wait, this is yeah, and ridiculous. <laughs> iron pot that is impossible yeah. to carry on your own. Um, I just kept thinking
0: of how heavy one of my cast iron pans is, and that's, right, just, and that's just a pan, tiny. Yeah, yeah I
1: mean, they even you know, tying it up between two horses. It was Could hard it, yeah. to yeah, uh-huh. get it moved. Um, and on their way they are overtaken by Aladir who is a snobby prince who was part of their party in the beginning, went off by himself to try to steal the cauldron and he's like take a the name for himself. super bad party member. He's the Boromir of the story. And he, uh, then fights them, he tries to steal the cauldron. Okay, more bad stuff goes down. One of the kings double crosses them, shows that he's gonna take the cauldron. I know he was a bad guy
0: from the very beginning. His
1: name is Morgant, and he's and he described like, as like cold in the yeah, eyes icy and icy like
0: and dark haired, pale skinned. Yeah, no, like, like, like
1: oh okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely a Cute cool th- guy who I want to sleep next to in the tent. Yeah, exactly. there's stab me or anything. There's a
0: line that says, like, someone talks about going to get the cauldron, destroying it for the first time, and uh, said an unreadable expression
1: flashed across his face, and I was like, nope, villain, bad guy. Are you sure it's unreadable? <laughs> Are you sure it's not just pure evil escaping from yeah. his soul? But, um, yeah, he tries to take the cauldron and... Um, He's going to kill you know, everyone else. He's not going to deliver it back to the ultimate bad guy. No, Aron. he's going to use he's it. He's going to become the ultimate bad guy. Um, but in the end, Eladir um, sees through the beast on his back, his pride and his um, fury, and he sacrifices himself to destroy the cauldron. And good wins out. Um, I still don't like him. Yeah, Eladir is an interesting character. Um, He's, he has
0: very little redemption. It's, it's a lot less than a Boromir situation.
1: Well, the thing is, it's such an explicit sacrifice. I mean, he not only knows that he will die by... Okay, so to destroy the cauldron, a willing person has to
0: get cast in themselves into and it. And then they
1: die. But they have to want to destroy it. Otherwise, um, it's not going to work. Yeah. So he, not only is he saying he wants it, we know in his heart that he did, he was ready to give up his yeah. life to destroy it. And I guess it's true
0: that he had no plans to use it for evil. He just really, no, really wanted the pride he just wanted redemption. that would come with him yeah. being responsible for delivering it to the good forces. Yeah. Because so that's I mean, important He to is remember. just like
1: a kind of a bully character throughout the book. Um, but... I don't know what he could do more to redeem himself, because if he didn't do that in that moment. No, for sure. It's true. What he did like was immensely. Mor- Morgant was about to start murdering people and putting yeah. their bodies in. Yeah. So it was not, not no, a good No, for sure. I'm not saying his sacrifice was inadequate. It was just sudden. It is sudden. There are, There's actually... Um- like
0: he had just been like slashing at them with the sword in the woods in the dark of
1: night. Well, no, he had been captured and. So he probably had some time to think for, like, you know, lying there. I don't know. Everything in this book moves very quickly. I think there's actually a lot of abrupt moments and transitions, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not counting that against the. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Writing style or anything. Yeah, because a lot needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And actually. This book could have
0: been, like,. Oh, so long if he wanted it to be. And instead yeah. it just moves so it quickly. It goes along in a really
1: fast clip, but without sacrificing little humorous moments no, and for great sure. dialogue yeah. and character development. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a tight book and it's it's very well put together for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the other really abrupt moment, which is another death actually, was uh I oh pronunciation. A down a day on. a, day on. a day on. A day on a day on a Aragorn guy. (laughs) I'm sorry that I keep drawing these Lord of the Rings. No, I've it's, it's such a similar story to Lord of the Rings. There are a lot of similarities. Um, yeah, just, just in the broad strokes really. And the thing is they're both in the broad strokes drawn from these very old mythologies that are from a similar Mm -hmm. area. Yeah. Um, so that all makes a lot of sense. Like the way the characters, um, are actually the way they actually develop and like their different traits. I think it, they couldn't be more differently. Like, no, for sure. That, is all about these like grander moments. It's have, like, this is all these tiny human moments.
0: Yeah. I mean, I say that there's parallels, but the, the parallels are all in the broad story. Nothing to do with the actual like specifics and characters and, yeah,
1: you know, Yeah, we're definitely in agreement there. Um, Now I've lost what I was going to say. Okay, so Adan's death, I thought, happened so quickly that it was actually pretty brutal. I cried when he died, um, and he gave his brooch to Taran and told him to tell his beloved, I don't don't remember what he said, but just, like, send news to his beloved, Um, and him being, like, throughout the book, the voice of reason, uh, not just because of his brooch, That's something that I really want to talk about. The brooch is a very interesting device because it forces Taran into hero mode as soon as he puts it on. So it leaves you wondering, like, okay, which part of this is him and which is just this supernatural object? I do think you have to be capable of that and he changes even after he loses the brooch he Mm -hmm. is a very very different figure I think Um, that it just
0: kind of forces a sort of maturity on you
1: exactly and that's why it's such a good device because you can have teenage characters so that the readers identify with them but then you can also very quickly push them into an upper tier of Mm herohood yeah Um, yeah and Adeon throughout the book is dispensing these really beautiful pieces of wisdom um, and he's very anti-war um, and anti-violence. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which is extremely interesting because he is arguably the most um, like battle-worn and uh, just I don't know. He's the figure in the book who like goes out and gets this stuff done and yeah. takes on mm-hmm. these quests. Um, but, but he he doesn't
0: like it. He no. does it. He does
1: it for its necessity, but it's not what he wants. Yeah, at the beginning of the book, when Torin's getting excited about getting a sword and going out to fight, he tells him, "There's more honor in a field well plowed than a mm-hmm. field steeped in blood," uh, which is a very powerful line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that—that's just after uh, I can't—I can't remember who said it. Another character says, "We hold each other's lives in open hands, not in clenched fists." Mm. Like, there's just. Oh, these beautiful moments yeah. that make me really sad and it, thinking about these, you know, children going out and becoming hardened by what they see and yeah. also being encouraged by some characters to go into this mode of kill, kill, kill basically. Um, and not think about the consequences that it will have on their souls. Mm-hmm. Oh, heavy stuff, dark stuff, Yeah, heavy, heavy stuff. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. Both Eladir and his horse are jerks. Yeah. yeah, his
0: horse is a total jerk. His
1: horse is also one of the sacrifices, though. His horse kills himself yeah, after that. seeing that Eladir has for died. For sure, yeah, it's rough. Jumps off a cliff. That was, I've that was never, never really rough. seen that. Well, okay, I've never seen that <laughs> happen in real life. Okay, I've
0: never read that. After a man throws himself into a magical artifact in order yeah. to destroy well, last to give time its I life, I watched someone
1: give their life to. I've crush never a seen cauldron. their horse. Their horse was fine. Yeah, it didn't do anything. Um, you just came from a horse experience—the first a one you have had since experience. you were a child. Um, Madeline went horseback riding on her trip to Mexico, and as a child, she was uh, damaged by a horse. <laughs> We don't have to talk about it, but she got thrown off a horse and dragged, and yeah, some bad bad Driving stuff happened. Through the woods, and yeah, t- t- hit my head on a rock. Yeah, she's okay though. Um, but I thought that it would be interesting to read this at the same time as your horse adventures because there's so there's a much lot of horse about stuff. Yeah, horseback riding no, for
0: sure, and it made me think a lot about it. And it also made me think that I think that Lloyd Alexander has probably ridden horses.
1: Well, yeah. That's what I was going to say. I think it's... Because re- he talks
0: about it like someone who actually knows. It's not just like, he got on the horse and
1: he went left. <laughs> well, I mean, most fantasy writers <laughs> at least know how to talk but about riding a horse because it's pretty ubiquitous. Yeah, I guess. I've just read certain
0: um, fantasy novels where they don't talk about the actual mechanics at all. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's much more immersive to actually talk about the mechanics. And it makes you think more that, like, remember, like... The health of the horses is so fragile mm-hmm. and so important and like to maintain it's just like a really important quest aspect
1: well we talked about this a little bit i think with our Ella enchanted episode but it's really interesting to think about horseback journeys now rereading these books as opposed to the way i viewed them as a child mm-hmm. um, because when you're a kid it seems like oh okay great like i've got my horse i've got my sword i've got my victuals like I can just hop on and ride forever and it'll be great and I'll save the day and vanquish all the bad guys. Um, But I think this book in particular also makes you realize just how painful, exhausting and tedious right, and that process is, is yeah and this book especially talks a lot about lack of sleep mm-hmm. um about general exhaustion mm-hmm. um a, and really lloyd alexander lays out like how many days it's really been since for example tarn has slept by yeah. the end of the mm-hmm. book yeah um and just how be they all
0: are yeah and like i you know just kept thinking of how sore they must be from riding the horses that much. Like it's, especially if they haven't, if they're not used to riding horses and then they go on this journey, like they must be so sore. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's not good.
0: (laughs) I rode a horse for four hours when we went on a ride and I'm still sore. And that was like four days ago.
1: Okay. Another note I want to just read out is a day on equals soulful hottie. I know, he's very appealing. Just guess I have a little, <laughs> little, a day on crush, um, and Madeline doesn't
0: share it. He's betrothed to be married, Grace. <laughs> and then he dies, so. <laughs> and
1: fictional. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wanted more of him in the book. Yeah, it was it it he a bummer that so he left soon. for um, sure. But it did open up more room for, uh, like, and Feudor and, um. Gwist still. <laughs> okay, so... I still the don't book, get g- Gwist still. way through the book, when they desperately need a hiding place or they're going to be murdered um, by servants of Iran, they... Uh, Okay, Dolly, another character we haven't even mentioned. God, I feel like I'm doing a really bad job of summarizing. you book and The characters. I mean, I'm done job. with the summary. That's not.
0: This is still. This hasn't summary. just been a half we hour. We haven't so. moved on to. This meat of the episode yeah this podcast is getting so good no, man
1: dolly has been mentioned because you said that a group of companions or <laughs> something similar and that included Dolly. okay so he's a dwarf so he's one of the fair folk which is just kind of a nebulous description for a non-human creature yeah. that's that has some kind non-human, of human humanoid right exactly that has some kind of human like mental capabilities um so uh, Dolly finds like a bush that He gets excited. It's a tree.
0: It's a log. (laughs) And then he starts screaming into
1: it (laughs) and forces the creature living inside to let them all in and hide them. And Um, he's some sort of sentinel. And Gwistil is hilarious. I wondered when I was reading if he was the physical embodiment of depression.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, for real. He kind
1: of perfectly outlines like what it feels like. Both an inability to take any action, but then a desperate need to stop the thing that's forcing you to deal with life from bothering you. Uh Uh-huh. Um, So he was both like urgent and also refusing to do anything. That's true. Yeah. Um, Love his description. This is all we get to characterize what he looks like. A bundle of sticks with cobwebs floating at the top. (laughs) That's insane. What does that mean? Um, And I found some really good fan art on DeviantArt that I will put up on our website. Okay, so I love that Gwistil comes in, just talking about the kind of funny story structure. I love that he comes into the middle and like grinds everything to a halt but then at the same time makes it possible for to continue. the heroes yeah. to succeed mm-hmm. um, because he gives them powder to hide their tracks. Yeah, I mean, because he shows up when it looks like they're screwed. Things look really bad. It's like Sabriel levels of, yeah, oh, a ton like, of dead things are yeah. chasing us. There are these, oh, I can't remember what they're called, the creatures that are Huntsmen. They're a linked group of um warriors so when one of them is killed the others absorb that one's strength mm-hmm. uh, so it's basically impossible to take them on unless twilight princess style you hit them turn all it into a wolf. <laughs> yeah, hit <laughs> them all with your little bite sensor and then take them all out at once this it's exactly, this is what, it is. Yeah, it's exactly what it is yeah terrible description
0: and then you turn into
1: a wolf <laughs> anyone who has not played the game is like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, okay. It's just finishing up talking about our favorite characters. Cause I feel like that's full Let's talk about full Okay. So Fluter flam, um, flutter flam is a bard who has a harp he received in the first book, which is enchanted so that whenever he lies or stretches the truth as he is so apt to do, mm-hmm. A string will break. Yeah, it's really snap. It's a really fun mechanic.
0: (laughs) It's amazing. Because they don't
1: just break. Like, sometimes the harp twangs or, like... (laughs) And he's constantly talking himself up and, you know, talking about what they've been through, Yeah. the grand moments. And you can hear his harp straining behind him, and he hurriedly says, oh, and maybe it didn't happen like that Um, Which is so funny. And I really related to him, and I I loved that he said that he hadn't taken the bard test yet because mm-hmm. he didn't feel that he was ready, mm-hmm. even though he's already very talented and he's been on these Renowned. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I really like that. It's like, yeah, you're doing your own thing. Like you're going at your own pace yeah. and you'll decide when you're ready to be what a bard means to you. Yeah. So I thought that was beautiful. Cool. He really likes cool. that. Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about what Gurgi looks like. Cause we're jerks. We should really be discussing his character, not his outward appearance. Gurgi haters. He's
0: just such a
1: fascinating
0: thing to try to decipher.
1: I mean, everything he says is gold. It's in in rhyming couplets. Because we have to continue this. Gurgi is Smeagol, not Gollum. Yes, he's Smeagol, for sure. Um, But with even funnier rhyme pairings yeah. than Smeagol has. Yeah. Um, I wrote down some of my favorites So I was going. Huh? I've got uh, crunchings and munchings, which I think is probably the best. Um, wicked doings and brewings. <laughs> toilings and moilings. Ah, that's what's my favorite. Moilings. <laughs> and spitings and bitings. This <laughs> is also so good. And Gergi, just like Smeagol, is sworn to protect um, Taran and does everything possible within his, you know, gurgy limitations yeah. to achieve that. Um, he's, yeah. And he's already changed a lot since in the first book I think he like follows Tarn and tries to rob him. Um he's oh, just like a really? weird character that's out oh, in the world. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sorry about um if I mess up any plot points. I I hadn't read this since I actually was a child and um I now I'm going to reread all the others. Uh but same thing. It's been a long time. I definitely wrote some stories, quote-unquote, yeah, where... Tell us more. Where, um... You wrote Chronicles of Prydain-inspired stories? No, wait. Because mine were all rip-offs of um, the Enchanted Forest Chronicles. Okay, no. My childhood um, oeuvre. So I definitely wrote some stories
0: where one of the characters, one of the main characters was heavily inspired by Gurgi. <laughs> the oh, stories. Oh. <laughs> I know we, okay <laughs> Just go ahead the I don't even remember what I called them like the stupid turtle adventures or something
1: adventures like, of stupid turtle. yes
0: adventures of stu- stupid turtle oh my god
1: turtle was based on Gergi
0: no there was another character oh. that was based on Gergi his name was Mogo <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. I have a stupid turtle collection in my apartment we right now. should
0: it up. They were really, oh really God. strange. We'll like, put a
1: picture of it on our website. It's really... Yeah. I mean, in case you haven't surmised, we were bizarre children. <laughs> um, bizarre. That's a good word for <laughs> what we were. Yeah. So they they we look forward to that.
0: They were like... I just went on Microsoft Word and I. They were each, you know, two to four pages long, typed out on Microsoft Word, and like I would change the font and size a lot. I mean, best way to tell your narrative across, if you ask me. Different people spoke. There was, I mean, it often broke the fourth wall in pretty groundbreaking ways. I actually
1: was going to mention (laughs) that all of our stuff we wrote when we were kids. Was kind of meta. Yeah, it was. I don't know why we liked doing that. There must have been something we loved. Was it Stinky Cheese Man? It might have been. Well, because that breaks the fourth wall.
0: Or like monty python and the holy grail our yeah. parents showed us Monty i know that, we were like, pretty much we were really there i'm sure there's a
1: lot of things yeah but i'm wondering which the definitive one yeah was. i do think i was
0: very heavily influenced by holy grail just like it's weirdness <laughs> and styling
1: even like Kiwi. i don't know there's yeah, so many yeah because mm-hmm. yeah. we
0: were picking up on it without really being able to talk, talk about what we were picking up on yeah but so yeah, there was a lot of that. And there was just a character named Mogo who would just like scream and run through yeah. every once mm-hmm. in a while and had no other dialogue other or like reference other than that. And the stupid turtle would just get really
1: pissed yeah. when Mogo oh my God. screwed I'm everything really up. I'm really happy that you remembered it. Yes. Time, uh, yeah. Yes. And that oh was God. definitely
0: like, that's how I imagined Gurgi looking. And that's how I imagined Mogo looking as just like this dust ball tumbleweed thing with
1: Eyes and limbs, like, sticking out. (laughs) Okay, great. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Glad we took that uh, little journey. Trying to stay on track here. Let's Let's, play some,
0: speaking of, let's play a clip from the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Stared at me. She's like, what, you think we have an intern or something?
1: Yeah, oh, Bob, cue that up.
0: Make that happen right now.
1: Okay, not quite yet. I don't want to get to the movie quite yet because I want to finish book disc, because that's what we've done for past episodes. No, for sure. As I was saying it, I was like, this is wildly (laughs) off pace and topic. Okay, something very interesting. Let's, okay, we're done talking about characters, I think. Uh, Let's talk about objects, important objects, talismans, and the like. Is that a new segment?
0: That's what, that's what we're going to play.
1: Objects. <laughs> Objects. Objects. talismans, and the like. <laughs> I mean, you know how good I am at naming the different segments. So <laughs> another home run. Really Chalk good. one up for grades. Um, I think it's really interesting. The book is called The Black Cauldron. Everyone's obsessed with it. But it is honestly not the most impressive or magical object in the book. The brooch is. It's
0: way more cool.
1: The harp is really cool. Harp is great. Eilon Wee's bobble.
0: Oh yeah, but that doesn't get mentioned a lot.
1: Um yeah, I guess I'm thinking about more on like a full There's series. a wallet that makes
0: pasty tasting food.
1: I know, I was gonna Bring So I just imagined
0: Gergi brandishing this like leather folded wallet and opening it up and like food comes out of the card slots.
1: I know. I'm sure they were using the word wallet in a slightly different application Uh um, than what we imagined. But yeah, definitely. And of course, when you're a kid, especially you read that and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a weird wallet. (laughs) My parents don't have wallets like that. Um, yeah, let's, I mean, very quickly, sadly, we should just cover pretend food because there's not a lot to talk about with it. Oh yeah. Well, there's the,
0: the pasty tasteless food. Yeah.
1: Tasteless food comes out of the wallet. It never goes empty, which is a concept I was really fascinated by as a kid. pretty clutch to have for a long journey. I I mean, we when we, when we were playing, we would always have like the pretend overflowing food couch or whatever yeah. we, we had this we probably took this from this yeah. as, from black cauldron uh, as well but we would always we just take whatever we wanted to say just is. to like write off any concerns about not having enough food for our journeys across the backyard because or because like our journeys had street. to
0: make sense exactly <laughs> no to holes. Be practical
1: um we'd always say oh good thing i have my everlasting food bag yeah mm-hmm. um and then that also allowed us to be like i'm eating spaghetti yes. i'm having ice cream <laughs> so this has been an obsession for many years yeah no you're <laughs> totally right been thinking about imaginary food um yeah but that's that's about it i mean it's quest food it's like whatever odds and ends they can get an, an aladir just
0: like doesn't eat
1: do the um sorceresses give them anything no no Definitely I thought they not. gave them soup. Or no, they just make no. them go in the yeah, they uh, put barn. Them in the barn. <laughs>
0: they don't
1: give them food. Yeah. <laughs> I love how mean they are. Yeah. I also love how clearly they are a play on the fates. Yes. Um, yes. Very much so. And uh, how the three of them are so intertwined in the same way. Like the fates share an eye. Yes. but
0: mm-hmm. Or when
1: Orgak and or do actually change bodies. Yeah. Like their consciousness mm-hmm. changes bodies, which is such a great concept. Yeah. And they're, they're really, really interesting figures. The fact that they choose to be um, old and withered looking, but then they become young and beautiful when no one's around. I just figured it's so no one will bother them. Um. I like how um, chaotic neutral they are also. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're just they're really different than what you'd expect from three Enchantresses who, yes, live who live in, in a marsh, which is really, totally fun. Isolated, really fun. If they were in the video game, all the time. they'd have huge boobs oh and God. like
0: wear nothing and look like they had put on so much makeup
1: that and they one were going of them to a would a like try to seduce yeah. Fluter mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, um, yeah, I would just be absurd. But instead, they uh, talk a lot about turning these erstwhile heroes the into toads, toads. <laughs> and they can hop in do circles. Which is really funny. Yeah. And they tell them how nice it might be to be a toad. And, yeah. you know, by the end of it, I think it's Gurgi who's like, maybe I should be a toad.
0: No, Floof is like, floof. A
1: floof. <laughs> we've already given him an affectionate <laughs> nickname. That's how you can tell that <laughs> Floof is in the fold.
0: He's Floof in the fold. He's, he's like, when they're saying they're going to kill him and turn him into cauldron he's like maybe a toad wouldn't be so bad do circles sound nice
1: yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah better than Calderborn. Yeah, for sure man yeah. we've pretty much summed everything up <laughs> i mean that we can possibly talk about right now this book is so rich and complex yeah. mm-hmm. we could well, stay up time, all night being discussing him accessible yeah It's great for kids. It's great for adults. I did not feel like it was a children's book reading it. And I know this is like the kind of hilarious thing about our podcast. Like with every single episode, we're like, very rewarding to (laughs) reread. Like that's why we're choosing these We like this book. (laughs) Everyone should read it. Um, But I don't care. Like we're going to keep doing it. And it's so fun when there's such a delightful surprise like. The black cauldron yeah and i definitely am going to reread all of the chronicles of per and once i dig them all out of my mom's garage but the last tolkien parallel i will draw is that it has that component of the perfectly timed battle interruption um at the very end when uh morgan's soldiers and you know, all his forces are there and they have Lining up our heroes captured. And I think at this point, Eladir has sacrificed himself or maybe it happens before I'm losing the timeline, but it happens like at the same time. Yeah. King point shows up yeah. with the good Smoyt. forces at, at the exact right moment. Yeah. Um, and that was very reminiscent of Gandalf and the Rohirrim. Yeah. Appearing at for home sure. Stake. For sure. Um, just like the darkest moment before the dawn, uh, which, you know, First like, on yeah, the second day. like it's a trope, but it's really fun yeah, and it's, it's so perfect. exciting. And especially yeah. at that point, the main characters had really been beaten down and were just, I mean, not only about to be murdered, but like so bruised and battered so murdered. and exhausted. Super yeah, and murdered. So murdered. There was no chance of them surviving without the good guys showing up. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. was cool with it. Yeah. No, I, I liked the ending a lot. We also need to do. Badass lady meter. We've we'll touched on it about, a little bit. Um, we haven't talked about. Ilan um, we... You know, it's funny. We haven't talked about any of the main characters in too much length because there's too many good side characters. Yeah. But like, and Ilan also Wien I'm not that
0: big on Sharon.
1: No, he's super annoying. Yeah. He's <laughs> awful. Um, it's not great but he's a very anything. straightforward you know, assistant pig keeper, teen boy, like this is his chance to prove himself, this is a chance to get glory. To his I credit, he's his really good at de-escalating um, moments with Eladir from the start. Like he does do his first stupid thing where he, uh, like gets all... Chest yeah, up. but not
0: stupid for, like, a teenage boy.
1: No, he actually does really well. In moments after that, he downplays the, the things that Eladir has said to him. Um, he never really, like, says to someone else all that Eladir's been doing to, like, taunt and torment him. And he's just like, okay, it's my own thing. Like, I'm going to deal with it. And I'm not he going very to responsible. get violent with him. Yeah. Um, you know, until Eladir has, like, attacks completely him. mad and attacks him. Um, but I was impressed by that. Um, so... In terms of women in the book, we have um, Ailanwi, who I appreciate because she stands up for herself over and over again. And every time Taryn does something dumb, she, calls she yeah. Yeah. Um, after he gets the brooch, she definitely has a moment where she's like, what's happening? Yeah. He's <laughs> making good decisions. Not co-brained. <laughs> He's not brash and impetuous. Uh Yeah. And I appreciated that because um, she I mean, she does come off as a teenager also, but she's um, very clear about what she thinks is right. And it is a matter of life and death and also the safety of all the people Mm -hmm. in the realm. Um, And she is not afraid to speak up at any point in the book. Um, and she's also not sexualized at all. Um, yeah, which is really cool. There's like one moment when one of the visiting people is like, "Aidan, we are prettier than ever," but it's okay. Yeah, uh, that's it fine. seemed
0: more like something you'd say to
1: like, like a grandfatherly a thing or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just like a nice greeting. Um, and I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. So I was into her treatment, um, and in a book so crammed with characters, she uh, gets a lot of. Um, dialogue actually yeah. mm-hmm. she probably she speaks more than almost almost anyone else except yeah. for maybe fluter yeah um, but fluter's a bard so. he's a bud. he's got to spin his yarns um then or when or and Ordu, as we've discussed they are a very interesting take on a sorceress mm-hmm. trio um and they of thwart your expectations at every turn,
0: for sure. Which is really cool. I uh, yeah.
1: love that they enchant the cauldron to just trap them. Yeah, to just be sticky. So once they touch it, they're uh, stuck. No one, no one can take their hands off it, so that they can talk to our heroes and try to convince them to do what they want with it. Yeah. Um, but in the end, they do give it to them because Tarin trades what is dearest to him, which is that brooch. So. Those She's ladies end boring. up with, as we discussed, the... The best one. The best, better yeah. object of the story. Um, but, I mean, it wouldn't be nearly as interesting if it was called the brooch, so... The brooch. <laughs> Good job, Lloyd. The Black Alder was a better name. <music> Let's discuss the thing that we've been putting off all episode. <laughs> it kept mm. butting its head right up, and we bopped it down with a little... <laughs> <laughs> What is well, happening? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the animated Disney film, The Black Cauldron, was released in 1985. Wow, so. I did not realize it was a Disney movie. Yeah, that's the thing. This was supposed to be one of Disney's touchstones like they at the time it was the most expensive animated film that was ever made they poured their resources and their talent and like pinned all their hopes on it Wow! Um, and it was a commercial flop um so the budget was 44 million and the box office was 21 million so they, they didn't even make back their budget much less uh hit frozen levels of <laughs> ticket, ticket purchases. Was um, it the marketing or... So, there's a lot that went wrong um, just during the process. I think for starters, they were really overly ambitious about how much story they told. They uh. they combined the plots of all of the chronicles of Prydain. So, they called it The Black Cauldron because that was the most popular book because it was just kind of the how best known. How long was the movie? Um... I mean, normal movie length, I think. I don't know. It doesn't... uh, 80 minutes. Does it just leap wildly from scene to scene? Well, hilariously, they went back and chopped it to bits after they did test screenings because they were really nervous about it and felt like it was first... Okay. God, there's so much that went wrong. First they thought that it was going to get an R rating because they <laughs> thought that it was too violent. Um, it ended up getting a PG rating, but they did take out a lot of battle scenes pretty much after they had finished finished the film. So there is actually a moment in the current version because I don't think the original version exists. I don't think it's available anywhere. Oh, bummer. Um, in the version they ended up with there's a moment that like cuts in the middle of a like scene to like another moment. Like it's it's hacked up. Oh my um, they changed like executive producers and head animators and they kept just like cycling through different visions. Like they couldn't come to a decision on what it was that they wanted to do. But the thing is, it's still a really interesting movie. Um, it's not a movie for the masses by any means, but it actually got pretty good critical Reception. Oh, okay. Um. And in the years since, it's become something of a cult classic. Okay. Um. And I haven't watched it in many years, but I want to rewatch it. We yeah, should, I want to rewatch it. it too. Um, because it's really pretty. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's and by the by, pretty I mean interesting to look at. It's not. It's not like beautiful and um, pleasing to the eye necessarily, but the way that yeah artful and the way that the evil is drawn um and like it's very frightening i think i mean i remember being scared by it as a kid um but also like even just the little moments with taran and ilan we like i i really appreciated um I don't know. This, I like the style of the animation. Mm. Uh, and you you said that reminded me of the Lord of the Rings movie created by Ralph Bakshi. I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it feels like they were uh, trying to go for a similar feel. And then I think another movie um, that Disney had in the works at the time they had thought of that as like their B movie, you know, not not B movie as in the Jerry Seinfeld project. <laughs> it is in the letter B. Like, I mean, it was a pretty big deal. They, they thought put, of it as like their- a B movie. <laughs> they put their A team on the Black Cauldron and their B team on this other film. I think it was The Little Mermaid. I want to say it was The Little Mermaid. Crazy. They didn't think it would do that well, and Crazy. then that. Ooh. Oh, I hit my <laughs> mic stand! I was so excited about it, um, but uh, it totally didn't work the way that they were expecting. Um, actually, and the film did have a lot of marketing, like that's that was part of their production budget and a really amazing factoid. They, that were I they learned. just a lot less in touch with the world as it is? To me, it is absolutely I not a surprise that were... the Little Mermaid
0: would do better than the Black Cauldron. I, just,
1: I don't think they were. I think it feels like one of those projects. Honestly, like the Hobbit films where it's too broad a project in scope and then the person working on it gets in over their heads and then it changes hands a few times. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then the production company is like, you have to do this. It took them five years to make it. Like it was drawn but To out. me,
0: like The Little Mermaid is like, you know, it's about a pretty lady. I'm not sure She's if She's half
1: naked. I'm also not sure if it's completely right that that was the, the next... Disney movie to come out I wanted to so girly And, and
0: like she marries The prince Like you know Versus the black cauldron is like a really weird Dark fantasy Complex story
1: High fantasy yeah. story I know but I don't know I mean it was also The late 80s I'm not I wish that
0: was the world That I lived in Where the black cauldron Was way more popular Than the little mermaid But I don't think it
1: it looking was at it now though you can also see how the little mermaid skews much younger and they yeah. were probably thinking that they could capture a larger audience with okay. the black cauldron. Okay. Like um, y- a, you're right. Late eighties. Yeah.
0: Weird fantasy. Was I mean, popular. little
1: mermaid is based on like one of the darkest fairy tales. They just managed yeah, to hit a sweet spot not. with the way that they adapted it. Yeah. Um, and I think if they had made the film, the black cauldron, the way the book is only the book, the black cauldron, it could have been awesome. But the plot of the black cauldron isn't even it's the cauldron is in it. And then the, um, sorceresses are in it. uh, But like, it, it's such a bigger story. Like the horned King is in a lot of the movie. Like they face him, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not about like these smaller journeys along the way to the big final battle. It just like all ramps up really fast until you get to that. Um, yeah, so I don't know. There is a funny, like, movement now to get we recognized as, like, a Disney princess. Oh, no. <laughs> when I was looking at clips on YouTube, everyone in the comments was like a princess? Like, where's my Ilanwi Barbie? And I was like, I would buy that. That would be amazing. <laughs> She's great. Um, and when I was reading about the book, uh, or about the movie, I, I learned that when the film first came out at the Magic Kingdom, they had a restaurant named Gergie's Munchings and Crunchings. <laughs> can't even get it out. oh my god oh my god but if they only had it um for eight years yeah they changed the name in 1993 what is it now maybe it, it could maybe be village
0: house yeah <laughs> village house.
1: our favorite restaurant at magic kingdom is pinocchio's village house village house, village house. uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> we're german but we don't speak german patrick all right we forced our brother in here who um took how many years of german five like four and a half (laughs) and also has been to germany twice um how is our favorite restaurant pronounced pinocchio's village house thank you um do we have a clip did our intern chadwick (laughs) no chadwick didn't pull up a clip especially because i'm scared to put in a clip because it's disney and i am very afraid of them um Okay, yeah, I'm already...
0: Chadwick's a copyright lawyer. We'll be fine,
1: Grace. I really want to see, just really quickly look at... Oh, he's a lawyer?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Of course, he's an attorney for us. Chadwick's got a lot going on. It's a JD advantage position.
1: Okay, I'm just quickly looking at a list of Disney films. Um, Yeah, okay. So it was Black Cauldron, 1985, The Great Mouse Detective, 1986, Oliver and Company, 1988, and Little Mermaid, 1989. So, there's no way that Disney thought that The Great mass Detective or Oliver and Company would be big films. Were they about animals? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean they. I've I've seen them both a lot, but they're not my. favorite. Because we had VHSs, um, yeah. From sing along songs, I'm sure that's what we I saw. The sing along songs a lot more than learned, I saw the movies. How we learned of them. Yeah, but Little Mermaid was the one that just, like, smashed it out of the park and saved Disney mm. after that point because they sunk so much money into this thing. Um, nice. Yeah. So if you're, yeah, we're going to rewatch watch it. Uh, you guys should, too. Let and us tell know. us what you think. Uh, your thoughts. Maybe you've watched it, it recently. Yeah, or if you've watched it recently, like, let us know if it's really freaky now. I'm yeah. kind of scared to watch Interested it. Interested to watch it. Um, but, yeah, we'll uh, keep you posted. Yeah. Okay, so before we go, I'm just going to quickly request um, that you guys let us know what you think about the podcast. We would love to get your thoughts on iTunes. Um, If you could review us there, that would be so amazing. and would help us find more listeners, find more fantasy lovers, and then in turn create more episodes that you guys actually want to hear about books that you love, like us. Um, Chadwick sure that- <laughs> is standing by for your fan mail Yep, Chadwick's manning the phones um, <laughs> he's ready to talk to you so please call now by call now I mean um, go on iTunes and leave us <laughs> a don't call us um, yeah so thank you so much and thank you as always for putting up with us and our wacky fun times I'm Grace and I'm Madeline until next time bye If you'd like to learn more about dragon babies you can find us online at dragonbabiespodcast.com or also on twitter at dragonbabiespod that's the p-o-d the first syllable of podcast songs used in this episode are pippin the hunchback and Batched villagers both by kevin mcleod and licensed under the creative commons by attribution 3.0 license you can find his music at incompetech.com thanks for listening